Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. It might have been one of the most entertaining games of the season, but I think I preferred it when the Raw were drawing 1-1 all the time instead of losing 3-2. At least then they were adding points to their tally. Welcome to the Syed Muhammad Adnan episode 16 of the Brisbane Football Review from the Switch 1197 Studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. I'm your host, James Coglin, and I'm joined, as always, by two guys that had their bantons overturned by the match review panel, Scott Owen and Adam Pace. Scott, how are we? You overturned our band, James. Thanks for that. Well, what can I say? Much appreciated. Your lawyer made a very compelling case. Adam? (laughs) Evening, uh, James and Scott and all our listeners. Yeah, I think think I got off by the skin of my teeth, I think. So, a good good lawyer. Yeah, it's another action-packed show, so let's get right into the A-League review. Almost a year to the day after a 4-0 thumping at the hands of the victory at Amy Park, it looked as though the Raw were on the way to receiving another drubbing after the hosts raced to a 3-0 lead inside half an hour. James Troisi hit an inch-perfect free kick, then Marco Rojas pounced on a loose ball before Bessart Barisha added a third from the penalty spot. Demi Petrados sparked a raw fight back with one of the best free kicks the A-League has seen, and a James Donnerke-owned goal made it to context yet again before half-time. After the break, Bessart Barisha received a straight red for... Uh, Something. And the victory shut up shop to hold on to all three points. So, from the start, like, there was a real big surprise that came out late Friday afternoon, our time. Aloisi had benched Jamie McLaren. Adam, were you a little bit surprised to hear that? Um, I wasn't surprised as much as it being McLaren being dropped to the bench. I think, I think we've all known for a while that, you know, if things are starting to wane with him a little bit, and we'll be distractions or whatnot. I'm more surprised by who actually replaced him, and that being uh, Manuel Arana actually starting up top. That, that's probably the more surprise. But I think McLaren, he's certain signs where he needed a little bit of a break. So, but it's, it's actually the who he played in place of it is what, what was the surprise. But it, it, he did kind of seem like someone who needed a little bit of a mental health mm. break because maybe it's all the contract talks starting to weigh on him. Maybe his agent's promising him big money deals if he can just score goals. Scott? Yeah, I actually was surprised that McLaren got left out because we haven't seen Aloisi make many changes so far this season and I was surprised to see that. But there I w- would like to say I'm surprised about who came into the squad in place of, in place of McLaren, but I'm, not, I'm really not surprised because that's the way Aloisi's kind of gone is trusting his experienced players more. So I'm not surprised he went down that route. And just looking at it from a numbers perspective, though, you wanted Katabian or D'Agostino to start, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. But surely it would have made more sense. Like, you've got the established guy in the squad who's taking up one of your visa spots. Didn't he deserve first crack at starting? Is he a striker? Well, we said he might have been at the start of the season, but I don't know. For, for me, you just you had to play... I suppose you almost had to play the guy who is probably on a slightly more important contract than taking up a more important squad role. And just quickly, the thing about that is, there's a great chance for him about three minutes into the game, runner, he got played through, and a, a player with a natural striking inclination probably would have hit the target from there because it looped over the, over the crossbar and into the grandstand. But in that same regard, Jamie McLaren's had plenty of those chances so far this season, and he's actually found a lot of them going wide or over. So it's not as though that striking ability is a prerequisite for getting shots on target. It's true. Yeah, no, look, I say, I, I, you know, my, my prevailing view is that, yeah, look, McLaren probably need a bit of a spell on the bench, but the, like I said, I would have thought that someone like a Demi Petrados or even Brandon Borrello would have been would have started in that number nine spot. I, look, I think we've got, it's certainly, we're starting to see where it's going as far as the youth guys, and it doesn't look like John Alwissi, you know, rates Diagostino Katabian high enough to give them responsibility to start in an A-League game, so... looking looking, Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's, that's a completely different story, but... um. 
But yeah, like, I, I'm just surprised that it was, it was Arana that actually started at that number nine spot. Because Thomas Broich was also dropped, but that wasn't anywhere near as big of a surprise for us because, you know, all throughout the season, Broich has been saying, you know, yeah. I'm not going to be starting every game anymore because I am getting old. And Brandon Borello came in to take his spot. So Friday, we were trying to work out exactly how the rule were going to line up. And yeah, because we were talking about it in yeah. that conversation. We thought Borello would be up front, Arana would be on the right, yeah. and Tommy would be on the left, but and I think was on the right. So. I think I even at one point said, if something different, you put Dimi Petratus up front because yeah. he has actually played yeah. there as a striker. But yeah, it was... I don't know. I, I, it was I like, Well, mm. the Raw are, were in need of a big change there because they had lost two in a row and drawn the two games before that. And at least it showed Aloisi was wi- willing to try and shake things up and not just let the status quo remain. Perhaps the element of surprise. Maybe, maybe, maybe that was the thinking. Look, I guess there's only one person that really can answer that, but maybe it was the element of surprise thinking that, you know, Maybe the maybe the victory court win that perhaps McLaren might not start, but then they're playing who may have been. I would I would have, you know they would have a couple of guesses, but thinking before Rhino it should be the one to start. It's a question for maybe later in the show, but do you think that constitutes a big enough change, given what's been happening? Should we have made well, it's more, more ch- change? It's more changes than what we've not seen more so far. Personnel changes, yeah. different choices maybe. Well, something different because mm. it's kind of like a rotation around the match day sixteen. There's not players coming into that squad at the moment. That seems to be my that's my biggest concern anyway, is that we're sticking with the same sixteen or seventeen players. Well, the two guys that came into the squad, Borello, or into the starting lineup, Borello and Arana. Overall, how would you rate their performance, Adam? Oh, uh, look, it's fair. Um, I guess, you know, it's very, very hard to sort of gauge when, when they're 3-0 down at one point. You, you, I guess you're sort of looking at doom and gloom, you know, at that point. So it's hard to sort of capture, but to where... And obviously, when they when the Raw got back into the game, you know, courtesy of a free kick and an own goal. Uh, look, I guess at the end of the day, you'd say, you know what, it, it's, it's hard to judge. I, I wouldn't want to say that you know, they had a great game, but it wasn't such a terrible game here that, you know, they probably, you know, should be, you know on the bench next week. So I'd say fair, you know, like the 5 out of 10 sort of rating. I thought Barilla did well. Yeah. Particularly on the second goal, I thought he had a good impact there. Arana kind of struggled to me. I just think I, he just didn't look like a natural striker to me. I think it's not really a surprise he came off early in the second half. Even if that was a pre-programmed change, I thought it was timely. And also, for, like for me, the thing about Arana is that was his first start with the Raw, wasn't it? Second. second. He started in West Sydney as well. Okay, well, there you go. So it was, you know, someone yeah. that still might be finding his way because he's not getting the minutes that he might be used to. So, yeah. As for the actual game, you know, they did play 90 minutes of football on Friday night on top of that, and Melbourne victory probably dominated the first half hour. I thought the Raw were good in the first five to ten minutes or so. They had a, some good, a good spell right at the very start of the game, but it very quickly turned around again after that. There, there was a real sucker punch. So we're just going to go through victory's three-goal barrage to start things off. It was perfect free kick from... James Troisi to start Depen- off. It depends who you speak to. There's a sort of lot out there uh, sort of questioning Theo's involvement in that. At that and not to preempt what you're saying, then the second goal about about whether he should have saved it. So, look, I, I look my, me personally, I thought it was a great free kick from Troisi, but there are a lot of people out there will tell you that Theo was at somewhat fault in that. I was going to ask, did you think the wall was set up right? Because I kind of looked at it and thought it was... Weird. I didn't think it was well, right. He got it right past Luke Devere and Jade North, which are the, probably the two guys that you'd actually want sticking their heads in the way, I suppose, because, well, you know, the old hard-nosed defender cliche. What you do in the wall. Yeah, that's it, and hope they don't go a little bit lower. <laughs> but, I don't know, for me, I, I did like uh, Aloisi's comment about the lead-up to that free kick. Matt Mackay's five foot nothing, and he was able to <laughs> knock over Bessart Barisha, so <laughs> Mackay's a 
incredibly. Did Alshay Kovic call him the Albanian salesman? Something like. I don't know. It again. I don't know. I just think Matt Mackay might be the world's strongest man. <laughs> Can't be ruled out. Well, we do know he's capable of getting a red miss, so maybe you know just got a bit of a argy bargy going. But the second goal, you mentioned it, Adam. It was a very strange moment. James Ferrisi played in a forward ball for Marco Rojas. I don't know what it was. Miscommunication between North and Theo left the ball for Rojas to essentially run through and side foot into an open net. Adam can go into the goal. I'll just say it was great skill from Troisi to beat a couple of raw players that was to a, get the cross in. It was really good play for him. It was a fantastic pass. Yeah. Oh, look, and that's what I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not sort of on the advocating, oh, that you know, Theo was totally at fault. Like, so at the end of the day, it was great play that sort of, that sort of almost garnered the mistake, almost a forced error, if you will. Like, but... There are there are people out there sort of you know looking for scapegoats and you know unfortunately on that goal you know, Theo was a scapegoat and, you know he could have done better yes but we've also got to give credit to you know the, the phenomenal play from Victor who were flying at that stage. I think that ball was in the literal definition of no man's land because like I I couldn't honestly have seen Theo getting out to it and I think he knew that if he took a dive for it and was just half a second late that's a red card. Yeah, yeah, that's, possibly. That's that's yeah. Then that's a, that's a judgment. You know, like I said, you know, who, who's to say that Jamie Young or any, or any other keeper in the A League would have done every, anything differently? I think at the end of the day, credit the credit the play from the attack and say, oh well, you know, it is what it is. Some people are actually wondering what it might be like to be a fly on the wall in this studio. We've actually got a fly buzzing around at the moment. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I think I swore the last one. So. <laughs> yeah, but you mentioned Jamie Young. We've got. Like, there is that age-old debate now with Brisbane mm. fans where, you know, oh, Jamie Young's wonderful, Jamie Young's a god. I, you know, not that people yeah. on the internet would ever oversell someone or something like people that. People always like the backup goalkeeper who's not playing. Yeah, but... I mean, I remember some arguments this time, like, at the stage last year, people were saying the opposite. Why not Theo? Theo back into goal and Jamie Young to the bench. So I think it's... I do think it's close between the two. I don't think there's that much of a difference between them. Well, that's it. Go back to our season preview show. We were basically saying they were 1 and 1A, one hmm. but... For me, the thing that really gave Theo the edge was the fact that he made fewer major errors uh, than Jamie Young. And look, let's not pretend that Jamie Young is a completely perfect goalkeeper. He's made a few absolutely horrendous decisions as well. And you honestly wonder if Young was to come in, would it make a... Well, as, as, we, as we were mentioning last week, is that I don't, I don't know that's the right culture to have at the club where the number one goalkeeper is in constant fear of losing their spot you know, every week, you know, some could argue, you know, okay, that's two, that's two, maybe three weeks now Theo has made a mistake. And maybe it might be that, that inkling of thought that maybe a change should be made. But that's not how you really want, how, is that really how you want to run a football club where your two keepers are basically, you know, one mistake away from being dropped? It's, it's got to be something continuity. Just quickly. All right, so we're going to move on to the third goal. Any issues with the penalty decision? No, I thought it was a penalty. And in yeah. a bygone era, that's a they'll double jeopardy Red yeah. card potential yeah. as well. But, but they've the, changed that rule, thankfully. Yeah, to get rid of the triple punishment. I actually thought Theo did about as well as you could have expected on that yeah. save. He went the right way. It was just the fact that Barisha put the ball right into the bottom yeah. corner in one of those unsavable shots. But shockingly, there were still people saying that Theo should have... Uh, people were saying um, that was a dive by Barisha as well. I thought that was contact. Uh, yeah, but that also comes back to how forceful was the contact. And we're going to get to that, pro- that question a little bit later on, I think. Okay. So, roaring down 3-0 fairly early. What were you thinking right then, Scott? I was thinking, is it time to change the channel? Because <laughs> we'd seen this movie before, right? I mean, we'd seen the rule go down, a couple of early goals away to Melbourne, and it turns into an absolute nightmare. But I was doing the updates for, the, for our social media, so I was actually watching it. And obviously, what came was spectacular. Yeah, Adam, what were you thinking down 3-0? 
Uh, I was actually thinking the same. I was thinking, thank God I've got split. I've got split channel on my <laughs> TV. You know, I can at least keep an eye, keep an eye on it. But um, yeah, no, invest was, in one of those yeah. split screen TV things. I think yeah. I, I definitely wasn't thinking. Hmm, what movie should I grab out of the DVD <laughs> cabinet? <laughs> All right, so. The Raw did start to mount a fight back, and what a goal by Dimi Petrados. I don't a, think you can hit a free kick any better than that. No, and it was one of those... So he's a right-footed shot, which naturally makes the ball bend right to left, but he managed to hit it basically straight on and then bend it left to right into the side netting from a good 30 metres away, I thought. No, so there, there's been comparisons, you know, of... You know, of a lot greater players than Dimi Petralis, that free kick. Roberto Carlos, the Brazilian you know, legendary left back, is one that comes to mind. That they're just a, just a killer swerve on that free kick. Oh, that that was unsavable. I don't I don't care what people sort of say. That was unsavable, and that you know, call it fluke, call it whatever. It's a goal. Now Dimi Petralis deserves credit for it. I think even the victory fans, including our friends at For Vox's sake, would suggest that Petralis' free kick was superior to Troisi's. I just think it was absolutely perfect. That's Vuck with a V, if That's you're listening. That's what I said. Yeah. I know, I'm just making sure. Yeah. It's, make sure the Community sense Community radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, oh, it was phenomenal. You know what it actually reminded me of? There was a strike from Thomas Broich late in the 2012-13 season, I think, against Melbourne Hart when they were fighting for a final spot. Broich was dribbling in from the left. Oh, in, in open play, you mean? Yeah, and just yeah. hit it. It was going in for the left post, and I remember I was sitting right behind it, and then you just saw the ball swerve into the inside the far right-hand post as you're looking straight on at it, and that was just unbelievable. Yeah, I don't know. That was the Trotter's <laughs> second free kick of the season as well that has gone in. I know, so... So for all the critics of his free kicks, I mean... His free kicks have actually been quite good so far this season. Like, even his delivery has been pretty well spot on for the most part, and at least giving them a chance to get to it. I don't think he'll ever hit one as good as he did on Friday, though. That was brilliant. It was so, it was so good. Um, for those who, who weren't aware, it actually made the uh, ESPN Sports Centre top top players of the day, I think number three. So I know maybe our, some of our American listeners may have seen it. So Yeah. It's just, yeah. It, it was, did go uh, viral, that goal, mm. all over the place. So. And he did deserve it. So. <laughs> all right, so we're going to move on. The second goal... James Donachie own goal, Scott. Tell We've us never what... seen James Donachie scoring goals before, have we? Never oh, happened. He's still scoring for us. <laughs> for once. <laughs> oh, I thought it was a really good bit of build-up play. You mentioned Brandon Borello earlier. Yeah, mm. look, that's the thing. Is, again, you, know, you could almost say that you know, it was, again, a forced error, so I guess, on the other side. that you know, There was probably not much Donachie could have done there. That, that, it was either going to be a Donachie own goal or an Arana goal. So, you know, it, it was great play from the Raw. It actually showed, you know, to me, it actually showed a bit of ticket that they, rather than dropping the bundle 3-0 saying, oh, you know, we want to be anywhere other than this, they actually fought back and actually had some belief. So it was good signs. And it could have been 3 or not long after that as well. There's a was, great yeah. chance about, what, 30 seconds after that? Mm. Mm. And the one thing I would say, Arana probably could have put that one away if Donaghy didn't get his foot in between yeah, him I and think, the Yeah, I think Arana would have scored. And, you know, that might change the uh, narrative. Oh, what was, absolutely yeah. would have, yeah. All right, so we're going to move on quickly, just you know, timing-wise, <laughs> into the second half. I think the, a lot of the Raw fans would have been going in feeling quite optimistic about the fact that all the momentum was on their side, they were working into it, and then Bessart Barisha came about. He was showing a straight red card for an off-the-ball incident with Luke Devere. Now, it was a decision made by the assistant referee for a raised arm into Luke Devere's mouth. Now, the FIFA rule amendment for this season, we were talking about the triple punishment one, in addition, a player who, when not challenging for the ball, deliberately strikes an opponent or any other person in the head or face with the hand or arm is guilty of violent conduct unless the force was negligible. <sighs> Do you think it was the right decision? No, the ref- like, alliance got it completely wrong. I didn't think there was much in it at all. And I think even um, Kevin Musket was saying that, Luke Devere was saying it's a 
after was an accident as well. Uh, after the game, he was saying that Luke Veer was not convinced it was a red card either. So uh, After the game, I think he said it was just a total accident, trying to fight for position, raising his arms as you do, and he just managed to clip him in the mouth. It's one of those... Where I think we all expected the... Uh, it to be reviewed. Sorry, Adam. No, 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 I, think, right. I think we all no. expected it to be overturned, and, and, and it was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, I, I look. I take from different bit of a different view that I think the the call at the time. I think we've got to remember that you now. Obviously, the assistant referee and the referee had one look at it, and they've got to make a, a crucial decision. From from what you see, first look, it looked like it was a raised arm, and I think that's what they went with. Whether it should be a yellow, red, that's you know, inside, and then. But I think at the end of the day, due process has taken over. Where after looking and saying, you know what. Yeah, the, the band got overturned. It may, it may cost them the victory, you know, a player down. But I think, if, as, as we keep on saying, and, and we'll touch on it later on in, in a different game, if you're going to raise your arm, you know, accidental or not, you're going to go into trouble. And, and, and at the end of the day, you know, if, you know if, especially with that rule amendment with that, is that, you know, referees are looking for that. If they're seeing an arm at the, at the player's head, you know, they, they're going to react. Otherwise, you know, are we going to get to the stage where you know, we can start whinging and carrying on about the referees not calling it where, where it is? It's, you've got to remember, these referees are making one look, one judgment, where the rest of us have 28 looks at it from 15 different angles, and you know, we can make a decision. So, uh, and, yeah. And the one thing I will say that really did bug me about that was a, a lot of the criticism directed towards Chris Beath there, but I feel like he actually handled it exactly the way... There's nothing any- Chris Beath can do. if he, he didn't see it, and the linesman said, or referee's assistant says... There's been contact with the face there. What's he meant to do? Well, that's that's it. It. He didn't yeah. see it. He and the didn't AR, anything to him. The assistant referee actually, he was the one that made the call. And look, if Chris... Well, I, I think Chris Beath is actually a fairly decent referee, especially considering some of the other performances we've seen this year. But yeah, I, I feel like Beath is actually quite a decent referee. And if I was grading him, I'd say he handled that situation exactly because what do you want him to do? If it's an incident he didn't see and his AR signals in and says, no, there's been a red card incident, do you want him to say, oh, no, I didn't see it, I'm just going to ignore you? Or do you want him to actually trust the guys that he's paired with? Well, that's... That, and you bring up an excellent point. I think anyone that's actually refereed or officiated at a high level of any sport will understand that, you know what, your, your assistants are there to be your eyes and ears. And the worst thing you can do, the worst thing you can do is to, you know, publicly dismiss... Yeah, yeah and the, the opinion, unless it's, unless it's absolutely clearly wrong, which this wasn't, this was a 50-50, to, to, to dismiss that thing, you, you do more damage to that system referee. And the next time when you actually need him, and he's not there because of you know, conference or whatever, that's what happens. So, look, that's, I, I, I think Beef was in an unwinnable position there where he was going to cop it either way. So, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, it's, it's one of those decisions, you know, it's a 50-50. He made a call, and, you know, and, that's, what, and that's why we have a match review panel. To 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 you know to overturn that if you know later on it comes out that you know it's not that you know it wasn't violent conduct admit that he Richard plays um we played tonight so and look just the other thing on that we go back to his Brisbane days I honestly feel like that's one of those things where Barish's reputation as being that sort of fiery well he had that red card against Melbourne Heart exactly that's what I was was sliding in and it wasn't it bounced off the ball into the keeper's face but that's what I mean right or wrong. I feel like justice has been served. And truth be told, if you're the victory, that's probably the one player that you could afford to get sent off. It's not like it was a centre-back as a rule trying to chase the game. Before we do move on to what happened afterwards, I will say Adam's completely correct that Chris Beath has to back up his assistant referee. If that's what the assistant referee has told him, then he has only one decision to make. You've got to support your assistant referee. Otherwise, you undermine that assistant referee and a lot of others around the league as well. Yeah, look, criticise the assistant referee where they got right or wrong, but I think, I think the, the criticism level at Chris Beath himself is, is fairly unfair. And look, I, 
I say Chris Beath is a fairly good referee, but he did have a couple of fairly bad missed yeah. calls. Like there were, uh, you know, Raw missed on, out on a couple of corners where there were clear deflections off. I think it was Lawrence Thomas in the first half. Matt Mackay had yeah, a Matt shot. Yeah, Matt Mackay had a shot, yep. And then there was another one where the ball bounced off Lee Broxham and he awarded a goal not, kick. Not the only time this weekend that deflections were missed as well, mm. by the way. Yep, but, you know, Melbourne Victory fans love to play the victim, so they're the, one, they're the only ones that ever get screwed because it's an FFA conspiracy against Careful, them. Careful, they'll all come after you. Ooh. <laughs> 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 all right, so... Afterwards, Graham Arnold took over management of Melbourne Victory for the last half Did hour he? and decided to park the bus. Oh, good. Well, all I saw with the Victory, like, basically putting everyone behind the ball and basically daring the Raw to break them down, which, look, three years ago, they would have been able to. It was very much like two weeks prior in Sydney, wasn't it, when the Raw just, they could not create, I don't think they created a single chance. It's, it's, it's I can't a recall one anyway. But, and, and I think Melbourne Victory got their tactics absolutely yeah. right. And that's one of those things where I think we're seeing Kevin Musket grow as a manager, where he's able to say, all right, this is the situation, and this is the best way to go after it. Yeah, victory got it right, but for the Raw, that's twice now they've gone against 10 men for significant periods of time, and they've not created any clear-cut chances. To me, that is a big concern. Mm. If they'd forced some saves out of Lawrence Thomas like round 27 last yeah. year, you, we might have been saying, okay, well, they just got outplayed. But when it's getting outsmarted, and it's something we're not used to, mm. that's where you kind of have to draw the line and go, what's going on? I think, I think a lot of people are starting to sense that you know, the Raw don't have a plan B. You know, like I said, 11 v 11, you know, similar formations. We can probably conjure something up together. But when it goes to 10 men, it's almost like, you know, they're, they're paralyzed. They don't know what, what to do. You know, it's like, it's, and then I think that's becoming a real problem. I think two, two weeks in a row, we've seen that now. And like I said, teams are going to start picking up on that soon. All right, quick final thought. Scott, missed chance for the Raw. We've got a lot of work to do based on the last half an hour to me. Adam, didn't they miss out on at least a point here? Uh, look, I think I think victory deserved the win to be on, to be. If I'm being brutally honest, you know, we yeah, I, I can't I can't really see you know after they went behind, after they went sort of man down, I should say, uh, victory were always going to just park the bus. And you know what, we we weren't good enough to break them down. They deserve all three points. All right, so that's going to wrap up a fairly eventful segment one of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. And welcome back to segment two of the Brisbane Football Review, here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside90 Fan Network. It's James Scott and Adam here tonight. Let's get into the A-League recap. The rest of the A-League recap, yeah. that should be. Adelaide 2-1 over Melbourne City. Adam? Um, look, I think it was a win that Adelaide United needed, and I think it is a loss that may highlight some frailties with Melbourne City. But uh, I thought Mark Ocheng's winning goal, that was you know great. And I think it's a sign that, you know what, sometimes back your youth. I think in that, in that, like I said, that, there's a yeah. message there. Yeah, yeah. Look, <laughs> it, was, it was a very, very well taken goal for a guy that has played very, very little um, A League and in a very, very vile spot. So, you know, good on Adelaide. I think, you know, they need that win, I think, as a club. And a lot of composure on if that. If only match. we had some youth we could throw in, James. I, I wonder where that could be. <laughs> I'm still young at heart. All right. Wellington, Central Coast Mariners. Scott? Yeah, so this is the start of a big week for Wellington Phoenix with three home games. We'll get into their two others shortly, but for this one, I thought they played well. They got the result they needed. With the Mariners, I mean, it's just the same old, same old. They look a more competitive side. They're just not getting the results at the moment. But at least there are some encouraging yeah. signs for the future. Now, Sydney Derby. I will say, look, 
before James goes on about a certain incident around the halftime period, the Wanderers should have won this game. If they had any ambition, they would have gone after this game because they didn't show, they didn't go after it enough. To me, the game was there for the taking for them, and they should have, and they could have very, could very well have won this game. I just wonder if that one thousand ninety-eight day at the time um, stat is it is it actually starting to play a thing because they they were playing again. It's like as you said. There was very little ambition win. They were more content to, you know, just play out. I know Sand yeah. Labs suspended, but come on, you've got to you've got yeah. to go for it more than that. Surely mm. someone can score a goal out of that. But yeah, the funniest moment well, the one entertaining moment throughout the whole game I would say would have been when Vedran Yanyadovic made his way back down to the cove end in a wanderous kit this time and decided that the best thing to do would be well, the cove decided to throw rubber snakes at him, which I thought was Hilarious. Absolutely fantastic. You see the jersey they had of his on the capo stand as well. It's a big cross through the name and snake written across it. It was great. Uh, but I did like his response, so he posted something on social oh, media. Yes, that snakes. was gold. Now, Scott, I think we might actually have to turn the air conditioning on a little bit. So. Oh, okay. That's a, that's a first, turning it on. Yeah, well, I'm sweaty over here, okay, right? Cool. A little bit of behind-the-scenes action. So if you can hear it, blame James. Yeah, pretty much. Well, you guys have the breeze blowing on you. I'm just standing over here behind the, all the computers and stuff. Anyway... Newcastle, Newcastle, Perth, two-two. Adam, um, look, I thought it was a fairly entertaining game. Um, the two teams that you know, I think you know, could be close to being playing. You could say they're playing finals football, though. Though, um, yeah, I guess the most say, odd incident was uh, Rostin Griffiths being shown a second yellow card, then was given a red card. So I think it'd be more I think on that from the MRP if that hasn't happened already. But the straight um, red means he's in big trouble yeah. as well because that's. Whatever the match review panel feels it, like giving him in terms of suspension. And, can, and mm. you see guys get a second yellow and they'll give a referee an earful, but then... you this have, must have been a great earful he's given him. I know, it's one of those times where you wish the refs were mic'd up like <laughs> they are in rugby or something, and then, you know, they just have to sell it with an R18 rating or something. No, I think, I think as well, I think providing for that was there. Stephen Lucas probably didn't have the best of games. I think a lot of that frustration sort of, I think, almost exploded when... Uh, when Griffiths went off, but it, look, in, in the whole um, Andrew Naboo, I think has been sensational. I think he's starting, he's starting to really show show signs, and yeah, I think um, a fair result in the end of the day. I will say quickly to, to clamp down on abuse that referees get after they make decisions is a good a good thing. I mean, there's too much of it going on. That's around the world, well, not just in Australia, and, and not just in football, in rugby, yeah, and all, everything, all sports. Yep. But um, the catch up match, which actually just finished while we were waiting to come into the studio tonight, Adam. 3-0 to the Wellington Phoenix. I think they've done... Um, I think Sydney FC supporters are rejoicing. And I think the rest of the league are just rejoicing because that's um, a six-game six winning streak that's gone that's now. Gone. Yeah. yeah, so... So, yeah, no, but uh, from what... Obviously, we were way outside. We didn't actually see much of the game, but it looked like Wellington actually played pretty well for, for the, and deserved the points. And one thing also, like... Not that you really want to enjoy another team losing too much, but as Brisbane fans, we should be happy that Melbourne with their catch-up game, didn't actually gain any points. Well, I was going to say, Brisbane maybe not rejoicing but so much because they played Wellington this weekend, of course, as well, and they have two wins in a row at home now. They're in mm. some good form. All right, so we're going to move on to the National Youth League now. They played out a 2-2 draw on the weekend, so tell us a little bit about that, Okay, Scott. so Adelaide got out to a fantastic start. I can't remember the name of the... Mark Marino scored one of the goals. I can't remember the other one, unfortunately. That's an own goal. Own goal from Kai Rolls, that's right, yep. And basically, the Roars, the young Roars inability to score goals has come back to haunt them because D'Agostino did not play. They were lacking a striker. They did get some goals back. They got Jaden Prasad who scored around the hour mark and they did get a late equaliser through Kai Rolls. I think it was a 90-second minute of extra... He's doing it both ends. Yep. And, but that meant the Raw were two points clear of Melbourne City but their season was done. And the season is officially over because 
Melbourne City went to Perth on Sunday and won 1-0, so they will win Conference A. We will have a full campaign recap next week, but before then, we've got to talk about the W League. Yeah, the uh, the women played on the first half of the doublehead at McDonald Jones Stadium on uh, on Sunday, and and Newcastle Newcastle Jets, who I think need to win their last three games to you know play finals football, they they end up winning two one. It was actually I guess the big the big incident happened when score one one about five minutes to go when uh, raw keeper Mackenzie Arnold was showing a straight red card for what looked like a sort of a, a raised um, elbow at uh, Jen Hoy. And again, I, and, we, and we said this about the Bristol thing, and the same applies to Mackenzie Arnold. It doesn't change the fact that we're a raw, that I'm a raw supporter, that you know, we're a raw show. That Again, if you're going to raise your elbow or that and look to make contact with the, with the player, an opposition player, you are asking for trouble. And, and, that, and that's what happened. So everyone, look, again, on, on hindsight, maybe there wasn't contact, maybe it was a bit harsh, but at that time, it, it looked a red. But also as well, Georgina Worth made her debut... Yeah. Acrimoniously and saved the penalty, but what a great end, way to make a debut, huh? Then at the end of the day, the numbers actually caught up, and Jen Hoy so tapped him for a second, and I and I think it's almost safe to say unless there's a miracle next week and they can beat Melbourne City fairly convincingly, I'd say that the women's finals campaign may be all but over. That's exactly what I was about to say. They're going to have to beat Melbourne City next weekend and then hope. But the the only good the only good positive is that Melbourne City are probably in an even worse slump than the Raw at the moment. So that will be fairly interesting. All right, so on to the news segment. The Raw Supporters Federation had their first meeting. We've got a bit of an update from Woz Brown now. I'm just going to bring that up on the computer and read that. Okay. All right, so 1,500 fans have signed up so far. As you know, we had Woz in for an interview a few weeks ago, and I think that was uh, one of our more popular segments. So Might try and get him back in at some stage as well. Yeah, so Woz, if you're listening, just keep checking your emails. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so wide range of fans are in attendance. Committee of Seven, because it's entirely people that was whose founder did not personally know before embarking on this process. Role committee is to, you know, govern, be transparent. A lot of the stuff that was touched on in this interview. So, and they are meeting again in, next week as well, I believe as well. Yep, the twenty fifth of. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I, can't, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but I think it's next week sometime. Yeah, pre pre Australia, I think I read somewhere. So, yeah, it sounds like it's going along well though, which is positive. Yep, and you can actually sign up at rawfans.com.au. So it's all yeah. moving forward a little bit. Yeah, little I'll bit by little you bit. to sign up for it as well. Even if you just want to be a general member of it and not actively involved in it, sign up for it because it's a great initiative. Yeah, so I think uh, actually that's one of those things on my to do list I've got to really get to. So I'll have to wait and see uh, how it all plays out. All right, so. Oop, helps if I talk into the microphone. It would. Transfers. Rumors about Tommy Orr being transferred to the Middle East. So. What do you make of this, Scott? Well, it supposedly came out on Friday afternoon that a club in the Middle East has met his release clause. That's basically what the rumours were. I think it was from SBS, actually. That's what it's basically saying. And if that has happened, then there's very little that the Raw can actually do about this. If, and it was from SBS, so don't yep. blame us if it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> well, but if, he, if, if it is actually accurate, then there's nothing the Raw can do about it. To what was him. that release clause? Do either of you... I know? don't think it was publicly quoted. Yeah, I reckon it'd be, I reckon it'd be uh, sort of fairly decent coin, I think. So, I'm, obviously, there's obviously, you know, someone in the Middle East um, that want that sort of, that wants his services. So, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, there's not much you can do about that. It'd be very interesting to see if he does go because that obviously frees up a marquee position next season as well. And that could be very interesting to see if potentially a certain striker whose contract at the moment is upgraded in that sense or they go in a different direction. It'll be interesting to see if Tommy all moves on how they're all fill that spot. And there could be a couple of visa spots open as well. So if they do, like just looking at it from a long-term perspective, 
if Tommy Ord does go, there is a potential of bringing in some sort of international marquee. Now, you know, yeah. some have gone well, some have gone not so well. I always hold them to the Thomas Broich standard, which is... It's a good standard to hold people mm. to. That's it. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know if Orr's return to Brisbane has been as successful as we might have hoped when he was announced as a re-signing. Yeah, I think... Yeah, look, I think when you put it to, to the stats and facts, I think... I think has been it's sort of a, he has been underwhelmed, but you can you can see that you know it, it's there, but it's just not it's just not clicking. That, I think it's it maybe it's a bit unlucky, but look, we've got at the end of the day we've got we've got to look at you know objectively and, and sort of I think his performance overall has sort of been a little bit underwhelming from you now the what we expected when you know he signed. You've also got to factor in the fact he didn't he, when he came back to the raw he hadn't played for a, a significant period of time as well, so it did take him a fair while to get match fitness up. Mm. Now, one player that won't be on the move is Thomas Christensen, who announced, who the club announced yesterday, has yep. re-signed for a further two, two years, years, so through twenty eighteen nineteen as well. Well, that's not too bad. I've been quite impressed with how he's come in so far. No, he's been fantastic. He's filled an important role in the side replacing Corona, doing it in a different way, adding defensive steel to the side. I think he's been a very good addition. What is it? He's leading the A League in, or at least the Raw in tackles and interceptions. I think it is. He's also the second highest scorer for the Raw as well. Four goals, four goals from six shots, which is. From the holding pretty, midfielder, pretty that's good, pretty good output brilliant for that. Yes. Which is good because, like, the one thing you probably would say about Corona is I don't think he scored until February or March or something. No, so it took him a while. And I, I kind of feel like Christensen's a little bit more of that direct player that is maybe contributing to a slightly different style this year. Yeah, I, look, I, I think yeah, he he has been sort of uh, been, been a bit of a revelation. And that's sort of point. That's um, yeah, as I said, you know, there's always going to be the comparisons to Corona, the guy you know, he basically directly replaced. But I think he's offered something different to yeah. to the squad than what Corona would have did last year. So, look, I think a well-deserved two-year contract, I think, yeah. Now, I think it's good to retain a player like him uh, going forward. There were questions as well, James, at the very start about his fitness as well. He's cleared yeah, that think, up perfectly. Absolutely. Now, Thomas Broich, ever the team man, he said he's going to delay contract talks until the end of the season to allow... the club to focus on new deals for young players so if you had to call it right now Adam do you reckon he's going to re-sign or retire I think he'll retire personally I was leaning towards retire as well I really hope he stays on because I, I love watching Thomas Bruce play football it's brilliant he's, he's I, currently on a marquee deal yeah. but that's gone yeah so he won't be a marquee next year if he does hang around but I mean it, it could purely be about does he want to keep playing and all the comments that came out in that story I, for me it's a case of he's going to Brisbane or nowhere else. He's not going to be yeah. pulling on a Melbourne Victory shirt or a Melbourne City shirt like someone who said they'd never play for another A-League club. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, I feel like it, it's Brisbane or bust for yeah. Broich and, in all honesty, I want him back because he's still... He's great to watch. And, yeah, he's lost a yard of pace. I think we've all... Yeah. We're all quite clear on that, but that football brain, I honestly don't think we've seen a better one in the A-League. Absolutely not. I can't think of one. Not that I go for hyperbole or anything. No, I can't think of one anyway. So. Oh, look, I think, I think he offers, you know, like I said, he's, st- he's still in the, in the top sort of, you know, bracket of players in, in the A-League. And look, if he does retire, I, I would hope that, you know, he'd he, you know, transition to coaching or something with the club. But I hope if, he's, if, he's, if the playing career ends in, in May then I hope that we see him around the club for, for a long time in the future. I do hope it's solely his decision as well, that no other influences come in. I, I, think, I, think, it's, I hope it's his it. decision. And, but the other thing also is, if he does retire, I could see him coming back in a coaching role anyway. Hopefully, be, I could be a good coach. Now, Broich and Christensen are taking up two of the visa spots, but there is a slight change with the FFA's import law, Scott. Yes, so there's been a bit of um, controversy about this this week as well. I mean, Greg Griffin in Adelaide has disagreed with it, but basically FFA has said from 2018-19... 
they're adopting the four plus one rule. So you'll be have four foreigners from anywhere in the world. And if you want to have a fifth one, it's going to be from an AFC member nation. I think it's great. I think There's plenty of good Asian players out there. We've seen a few in the A-League as well. And I think, fantastic. Let's embrace our neighbours to the north and find some good players because there's plenty out there that we can afford. Just just to, just to paraphrase what Greg Griffin's um, sort of objection says, and, look, and I, agree, I agree with you, I think four plus one, I think, is the way to go forward. I think whatever, or whatever the AFC are doing, we need to align with it. But his, his view is that given that the skyrocketing uh, salaries... Plus, as well, the, the quality of play, especially in China, that, that's has coming up. His view is that, that apparently that, that plus one may dilute the quality of the competition. I I disagree. I, I think you know there are you, know, you China can have you know these top players like the the guys like Tevez and whatnot. But there is there's got to be you know in the major leagues there's got to be some decent players out there that you now that can that can provide, especially for an Australian club. And the raw. Well, the A-League in general, they haven't really explored that Asian market, obviously because there is more money available in those other leagues. Well, only two, only two of ten clubs have Asian players. That's uh, Junpei, Chris Kami, and uh, Ma Ma Lei. So. There have been some good Asian players in the A-League as well. Adnan is one. I think Newcastle, the son from Newcastle was really good. There's, there, and Shinjo. And there's, there's plenty of examples you can... Yep. There's out there. So I, I don't understand what the complaint is. Let's find some good Asian players. All right, so we've got one more quick story that we're going to touch on right now. The Raw on their website actually had a poll asking, where in regional Queensland should the team visit in the next preseason? So the options were North Queensland, Central Queensland, Wide Bay, Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, Darling Downs. Where would you like to see the Can I add an option? Yes. Brisbane. <laughs> no, because we had two games in Brisbane this year. Well, th- I didn't realise Brisbane be- was regional Queensland. No, maybe maybe out towards where I used to live. In- <laughs> but no, we were supposed to have three games this year. One was unfortunately cancelled because of the weather. And there was two against the basically the BPL select and NPL select. So we only had two games in Brisbane for a pre-season. There were two down the coast which were locked out. I'd love to see more games in Brisbane throughout pre-season. But would- if, you, if you want a location outside of Brisbane... I'll say up north. That's going to be done a, it a few yeah. times. I think go up north for a week for training camp and play a game. Now, in case you're wondering, that's going to be a preview for segment three, where Scott's going to go off on another little rant. Adam, where would you like to see them play? Ah, uh, look, I, yeah, I, I, no, I see Merritt and Scott Scott's call about you know about preseason. That you know, remember once upon a time we had a road show where yeah. you know every club. I think that's the lifeblood of um, the crowds of, were great of participation too. and whatnot and integration from the community. But if I had to choose, you know, of these, these, I'd probably go Cairns again. Yeah, I'd like to see Gold Coast or Sunshine Coast just because, you know, for us, that's a pretty easy drive to go and see. Can I just reiterate Adam's point? The Raw Roadshow of 2010, 11, 12, that was great. It was. You've got like two, 3,000 of these grounds. That they made some money and offers a ground at good community engagement and the crowds were good at the time as well. So I, I would love to see that come back if it's at all possible. All right, so that's going to do it for segment two. We're going to take a very quick break and come back with a little bit more news plus our mailbag segment uh, for segment three. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. And welcome back to segment three of the Brisbane Football Review here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. We're going to go back into some of our uh, news. NPL has been announced that the game's going to be played at AJ Kelly Park at Redcliffe. Scott, you've got a little bit to say on this. So, Adam, we're just going to go and uh, grab a drink or something. <laughs> I won't let you down Let you down just a little bit here because I don't actually have a rant, James. You, you were annoyed about it when they announced it, weren't you? Um, I've matured. And you've gotten over it. Yeah, no, basically I think it makes sense for a few reasons with the 
Leroy, I mean, they obviously are playing all their home games up at AJ Kelly Park, as you mentioned. I mean, there's, I think it's likely they're going to play their home games after this season at their new training base at Logan. So while that's being built, it's a good idea to embrace the Northside community as well. And it's not quite as far of a drive as I first thought. <laughs> 55 yeah. minutes, not an hour and 10. Okay, so that at least saves a little bit of time yeah. off there. Uh, look, uh, look uh, as, as a Northsider, I'm, I'm thrilled that, you know, I don't have to traps all the way down to Cleveland, you know, once every two weeks for the MPL, but... Uh, yeah, Cleveland's just terrible. Yeah, <laughs> look, look uh, at the end, and look, it's what I, from what I believe, uh, from what I've heard, that there'll actually be a couple of double-headers with, um, with Penn Power, who are one of the who are the better BPL teams. So I think, you know, the whole football sort of, um, sort of, you know, carnival football sort of feel about, I think, I think at least they'll get, draw a crowd, um... For it. So, look, at the end of the day, the Royal Godot will have to sort of a shortage of grounds at time time. So, and just to wins. clarify that, Cleveland's great. It's just, it's a hard nah. place to get to. Nah. And there's, and an, on a cold night down in Cleveland, it can oh, be, it can be a dear. tough watch. <laughs> and also, I do like the veranda up at Peninsula Tower. I, it's I great. should point out, this is cold by Brisbane standards. It's kind of like yeah. how Melbourne complains about it getting hot every time yeah, it gets over you've, 30 no, you've degrees. Got the, you've got the bay, and if the wind's coming off the bay, it can get very cold, James. Trust me. Oh, no, I, I know. I had my engagement party there yeah. in May, and that wind was actually going straight through my suit. I actually had to wear long pants. Hi to all our friends at Redlands listening to this, by the way. <laughs> the, current, the current MPL champions. Yep. Yep. So, well, if you have any feedback, you can get in contact also, with Also, with the youth team, the under-20s have been announced as well. They're having a third team this year as well as the Raw. Yep. So, yeah, third, yep. third, third team? Third team, 18s, 20s, and the, the senior youth team. All right, you messed up my rhythm there. I was about to announce the under-20s. <laughs> Sorry, James. Sorry. All right, so that basically covers it. So it's a good uh, sign of development there. Yeah. Oh, so there's one other good thing. There's a... Academy director announced. If I can just find it on my notes somewhere, a guy from England yep, the, drew somebody else. Uh, who I believe has worked at Southampton FC. So if you didn't hear Scott while he was talking to the desk instead of his microphone, <laughs> the Roar have actually announced that they've uh, been able to... Drew Sherman is his name. Drew Sherman, uh, an Academy director from Southampton. Yep. So that's good news. It shows that there's a little bit more investment going on in the football department. Yeah, that's and, a positive thing. And that's something that we've been concerned about a little for a little while is how much money is actually being invested uh, by the back reason whether or not they want to try and keep that product going yeah. or if they're just running bare bones but it seems like there's something going which is going to yeah keep the youth development going now they just have to build that pipeline into the first team I suppose never going to happen well you never know <laughs> alright so now we're going to move on to our pre-planned segment 3 the mailbag but before we do that if you're listening to us on Audio Boom or iTunes we would love a preferably positive review so that we can actually uh, get a little bit more traction going on so Feel free to leave us a rating and a couple of comments about which one you like most. My name is James, by the way. Just <laughs> uh, Yeah, my ego is really that fragile. So. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to the mailbag questions. And the first one came... Oh, microphone's just dropping out on me. Yep. All right, so the uh, first one that came through the morning up to the game was from Daniel Ferguson... When will John Aloisi try some young guys? Plus, we don't have a plan B if plan A fails. And they followed that up with, no way do we stay in the top four on current form, and if we continue to play like this, we won't even make the group stage of the Asian Champions League. And there were a few... Well, nice at, positive review, this. Oh, I'll tell you what, the best response was Lucas Norton. He did, they just play for victory now. <laughs> I will say to this first point, when will John Aloisi start trusting the youth players? Uh, when the first team is injured, suspended, or fatigued enough that they can't play. I just... I can't see John Aloisi going to the young players at the moment. Well, he did it at Melbourne Heart, and it, maybe in his mind that cost him down there, but I just, I think if he was going to give some young players an opportunity in the squad, it would have already happened. If the next chance they have is if there's some serious rotation around 
the next couple of weeks with the Champions League. That's the only chance I can see it happening. Well, I honestly think we're going to wind up seeing Connor O'Toole get a start, the fullback. He'll be optimistic. I will also, on this point, we've talked about Corey Brown suspended, one game off of suspension for a long time now. Jay North is also on four yellow cards as well. So that could mean Daniel Bowles yeah. gets a run as well. Could, so. Well, heaven forbid they both get a yellow card in the same week. Then we're in, then there's big, big problems. Yeah, why can't they have gotten that yellow card last week and saved themselves a trip uh, to Wellington? You mentioned Daniel Bowles. He's played, I think it's 37 minutes since September. Maybe he's got, Well, yeah. maybe he'll come on for stoppage time this week and make it an even Boost 40. To 40, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a real it's a real problem as far as I'm concerned. As far as you know, look, you don't you don't want to, like I said when you've got top line play, you don't want to laden you know, your team with youth. But at some point, even like I said, even in, in garbage time, want just get the, the kids playing. You know, you know even if it's five ten minutes, because at, at the end of the day, you're going to need them, and then they, they're not going to be ready for it. Like I said, and yeah, it's it's I, I I've got I've got to believe that you know John Wilson has been burnt in the past. You know, with the youth policy, he just doesn't trust it because, yeah, as Scott, as Scott said, you know, if we're going to see the youth players play, you know, we will see it by now. I, I will also, I, we're only calling for it because we there are quality players in the youth. Mm-hmm. So if there weren't any good players there to choose from, I could totally understand it. And the other thing also is you kind of, one thing I'm noticing from a lot of the comments on our social media pages is the fans are starting to get a little bit restless. It's now three losses in a row and they haven't won in six weeks. Yeah. Good thing I haven't. Good thing I'm not saying that I'm not going to shave until the Raw win their next game because I think that's going to lead to a very <laughs> hot, hot and uncomfortable next few weeks. But one of the other uh, co- comments came from Warwick Betts. Would it be a good time at season's end with, with so many players off contract to look at a squad overhaul and look to rebuild? Could well be because I mean it's not just we talked about Thomas Broughton in the last segment as maybe potentially an end of an era. We've also got Michael Theo is out of contract. You've got. Um, Iran is out of contract, Jay North is out of contract, Luke Devere. So there are a number of players who are out of contract. It could be that it may be forced upon the Raw to rejuvenate this squad, even if they don't wish to. I think, I think the matter is, is identify the core of the club going forward maybe the next two, three years, and then build around it. You know, I think it's, I think rebuilding, I wouldn't say that, you know, overhaul is the right word, but like, I know, like overhaul, you think of, you know, Tony Popovich and yeah. Wanderers, you know, with 19 or 11 which I, I'm certainly not, not advocating that, but they need to identify who is going to be the future of the club for the next two or three years and then build around that. I don't think you can really see the team say, all right, we're going to change half the squad this off-season coming up. Because, well, okay, it worked once with Ange Postacoglu, but are you going to find... That was a special bear, situation, though. That, that. that, that need to happen because that, that team was dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Unfortunately, that included one Craig Moore, but that, that squad as a whole, yeah. Nah, we'll leave Craig Moore out. He left in January. He wasn't a part of it. So but, good. That right, whole yeah. point, but that whole point is, I don't think you can really just, you know, completely dismantle the squad and say we're going to start from scratch. But maybe if you do, you know, push a couple of yeah. players out. I don't think it's that bad. We don't have to go that far with it. But there are about 10 players out of contract at the moment. And well, maybe it could be time to change the mix up a little bit. Someone who is still officially out of contract at the end of... Uh, this season is John Aloisi and Stephen Belcher asks uh, would Thomas Broich be a potential replacement as head coach for 2017-18 if Aloisi was to move on? Not for 2017-18 besides the the, uh, normal sort of issues as far as qualifications I do believe that I think Gaelic, you still need to be qualified to a certain degree. You've got certain badges, don't you? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it's a UEFA pro loss or wherever it is. I don't think it's that far, but Champions League it definitely is. But um, but yeah, I, I'm, I don't know about, you know, I'm not, not a fan of, you know, past players as great as they were 
um, to the club straight away, jumping on and head coach. I think if if John Wilson leaves, I think we probably need a coach for you know maybe two seasons. But I do think you know Thomas Broach eventually, if he sticks around Australia, I think you know for the future, you know maybe in three or four years' time, I think definitely. I would actually, I would say, you know, we've got the first-hand experience of what happens when you throw a player in as a coach too soon with Aloisi. Look at what happened down mm. in Melbourne. I think that's basically setting Broach up to fail that's, if you bring him that's in. That's an excellent point that you make, James, as well. And I would agree with what you've both said. I think 27-18 is too soon. You know what I would act... If, if you've decided that Thomas Broach is going to be the eventual head coach of the Brisbane Royal, whether it's, you know, in five years, ten yeah. years, whatever... Set him up to give him the best possible chance to do Let so. him go back to Germany. Look I, at, yeah, look go at back some of the coaches that, over there, yeah. Yeah, look at some of the coaches they're producing over there and let him, you know, learn as much as possible before you bring him back and say, all right... Now we've got our guy. Oh, also, just to pump brakes on it, maybe just a little bit as well, I do remember reading about a year or so ago, Thomas Breuchers was talking about what he would do post-career and he was talking about youth development, yeah. youth coaching. So maybe that's where he would feel that, best. That would be a good start for at least one. No, not, that, not that we're sort of saying that James Robinson's job's in, uh, no, I'm just, in jeopardy, but uh, that, would, that would be an excellent start for Thomas Breuchers. If his playing career came to an end in May, that would be, that's probably where we'd go. But yeah, I, I, yeah like even, I think the best example I can think of is that you know, even Kevin Musket, you know, being a club, a club legend there at Melbourne Victory, he at least had you know, a good six months under Ian Postcogley before he unexpectedly left for the national job. So that's probably as close as you want to get. And, that, and yeah, I think even then he had to learn on the job a little bit. So I'm not, I'm not a fan of you know, playing and going to coaching straight away, especially I'm, head coaching. The only way that I can see that being an acceptable option is if you surround him with maybe yeah. you know, a, sec, a 2IC who basically mm. can do a lot of the heavy lifting and sort of let him yeah. get comfortable. You need yeah. someone like Ross Aloisi, for example, alongside him, who's got experience as a... The the ultimate calm presence of Thomas <laughs> Broach and Ross Aloisi just standing <laughs> oh, there with that his is, That's an odd couple of if I've seen one. All right, so we're going to keep moving. We've got Terence Lucas saying, did we not learn anything playing the Sydney FC game about playing against 10 men? So basically just talking about... I learned one thing. Which is? Don't bring Barella on it right back. <laughs> We didn't do that last week. Well, but was he necessarily? <laughs> As James's microphone drops again. Yeah, that's right. So I'm just having to bend over. <laughs> I'll grow up, Scott. <laughs> anyway, so, well, we were talking about the lack of a plan B before. So what do you think they really need to do with the Raw in the future, Adam? Well, it's a, it's a tough one because I say I think our plans are sort of set in stone. I think it's the absence of a plan B. Um, I think that that is what where I think I, I pers- me personally I think you know, maybe a tactical switch. Um, you know, you know, switching up from sort of what they do. Just uh, they just need to do something other than just trying to sort of you know mindlessly try and pass you know across. You know, maybe be be yeah. more direct. You know, it's just yeah. I think. That's, that's, a, that's a bigger question. I think that's going to take time to develop. But one thing we do know is that you know, the Raw do lack a plan B if things yeah. don't go to plan in, in the beginning. Because personnel-wise, Adam's right, the squad is kind of set up as you've got the first team and then you've got players to cover for them. So there's no obvious options that could be a plan B. The one that I thought might would be completely outside the box that can't happen anymore, but Harrison Soil would have been a fantastic plan B because he's tall, you put him up front and he just calls a handful. But he's gone to Newcastle now in their youth team. Go figure. So mm. there's, I look around the squad, including the youth team, there's nobody that I can, can suggest who's different to what we have. It's just, it, it's just a case of, yeah, how are you going to go about it? Maybe change formation, try play two up top or something. Yeah, like so that actually, bring up Harrison Sawyer actually brought up a good point. Maybe, maybe they could do the old Perth Jamie Harmel trick and play Luke the V up at striker. 
for it's for twenty minutes. Christmas that, Amber with Blackburn. Yeah, well, that's, that's, yeah. that's one. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I think it's just a case of just anything. Just change it up. You know, like like I said, you know, it's obviously worked before. Luke Devere playing some of that front line, ninety fourth minute in round one. But so, for yeah. me, but for me, the yeah. one thing that you notice about Plan A with the Roy is it doesn't seem to be as clear as it could have been. Like there's a little mix of you know that. Ange Postacoglu Dutch passing yeah. where you just it's a very mm. mixed style you're and, right and then you know uh, there's also the hit and hope long ball which worked really well I'll last year I'll be kind year. and call it in transition to get Mc- Jamie McLaren in behind defence I'll be but, a little bit kinder than you were of describing it well it, well, last year I feel like those balls were actually finding yeah. feet but it, it seemed like last year they actually had a clear idea of where the ball needed to go whereas this year it seems like they're just driving it forward and hoping that McLaren it was also a unexpected last year. People weren't expecting the Raw to play it over the top last year. Now it's more well known that the Raw will play that way and defenders are preparing for it more. But maybe they just need a little bit more of a clear separation between the two styles yeah. and say, alright, this game we're going to go out and just play the short balls and try and walk it in because they're actually facing an opponent where they can do that. One last point. If we're going to play two up front, we've got to bring Katibi and Odagasino into the squad. You can't go two up front if you don't bring at least one of them into the squad. And that's why I suggested it because yeah. I knew that would get that response. Yeah, it had, I've been, We've been calling for him for weeks. I think it's time for one to go to Wellington and actually play. And the final question is going to be a quick-fire one from Joshua Gobbold, I believe, this morning. Came yep. through. Jay McLaren, stay or go. Now, I'm going to assume this means in this transfer window. What? How much would you take for him if to sell him? What's the bare minimum amount? I don't think we can sell him in January. We have no replacement at the moment. We can't. We have to keep him for it to at least to the end of the year and play the situation out. I think I think his current sort of dip in form, I think actually may have even um, played him out. I think we've got to be resigned that we're going to lose him on a free transfer because I just don't think there's going to be any suitors... Uh, out there, especially with China now uh, really changing their 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 uh, foreign quarter rules, I, I just I just don't see anywhere that Jamie McLaren can go in January, January where we would actually where the Raw could actually make a transfer for you. I I do think he's gone in um, at the at the end of the season, but I think he'll be he should be around for the end of the season. And John John Cosmina actually had a really good point saying maybe McLaren needs another year in the A League to just get himself that little bit more yeah. season. So. Personally, I'd like to see him, even if it was just a one-year extension on similar money saying, all right, I'm going to do this, but you have to know that next January I'm probably going to go. Yeah. And I, just have I think it, that'd be the best of Jamie McLaren as well because he's not getting the best of himself right now. But I will also say, if he does go, we have to bring somebody in because as much as myself and Adam have been calling for D'Agostino Wakatibi, and I don't think you can rely on them every single week to start. That, that theory They're that more ja- off-the-bench options at the moment. That sort of scenario that James um, brought up, is, I think actually is the, is the perfect one. If we're looking yeah. at Katibian or D'Agostino as the next you know, number nine for the club, at least have that another year you know, apprenticing. But they've actually got to get some A-League time in the meantime that next year. And the one point I would make, like if I was running the Raw's football operations department, which it's probably... We're a just good telling th- Craig how to do his job here. I was right. going to say, it's a good thing that I'm not actually doing because I'm pretty sure the club will be much lower on the ladder if I was in charge of things. And same as here. <laughs> <laughs> but the way I'd do it is I'd go to him and say, all right, look, say he's on X dollars per year. Say we're going to sign you on that plus, you know, 5% or whatever. But we're also going to have a fairly achievable release clause, say $300,000 or something, where if a club comes in and offers that in this coming off season or next January, you can take it and go, no hard feelings. So maybe they just find a way to at least give him the option of staying in Brisbane, but knowing that, if he plays himself back into form, that's going to lead to a big one, transfer. One final thought on that. I think actually the, the best case scenario that we can have is, you know, maybe that there is a European club that is interested in Jamie McLaren, sign him, loan him back to Brisbane. That'll that, do. Would, that would be That's great. possible. And that's going to be it for segment three of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this.
Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. back to the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review. Our first three segments ran quite long, so we're going to make this a very, very quick preview of Saturday's game against the Wellington Phoenix. It's 4.35pm Brisbane time at Westpac Stadium. Scott, what are some of the stats for this meeting? Okay, so they've played 25 times, these two sides. Brisbane have won 16, five draws and four losses. In Wellington, the record's similarly good. It's been played played 11, the Raw have won five, drawn four and lost two. So So they've been two losses over the... That's at that's at Westpac Stadium. There've been losses at other grounds, of course, but yeah. Now this is actually now. So we're what sixteen rounds into the season. This is the first time the Roar are getting to play Wellington. Adam, can you tell us? Is this just a weird scheduling quirk or a Russian conspiracy? Ah, oh, it's probably, <laughs> probably, probably probably somewhere in the middle. Actually, I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, oh, as I always say, the truth is always in the middle too. So polar opposites, but um, look, I, I think I think w- w- what we're seeing with a lot of the A League draw is that I think it's not broken up in the traditional, you know, eight, eight, sorry, nine, nine, nine anymore. I think, I think we were seeing there, there's special, you know, fixtures that are, that actually are sort of, you know, taking precedent or ground availability or whatever. And I think it's just, it is what it is. I think yeah. this is better than the old system as well. It used to be, you played each team every seven weeks. I think that was, was a bit, that was a bit regulated to me. I like mine. This. Yeah. It's a little bit boring as well. You just, I don't know. For me, I like having that time where, you know, Maybe if you're lucky, you catch a team that's in a bad run of form, or in the case of Wellington, coming off a three-nil victory at home against yeah. Mel- Melbourne Victory. Well, they're most certainly not in bad form, are they? That's right. Well, all I, their form in Wellington hasn't been great. So they've had two wins, a draw, and two losses, including tonight's game. We are recording this on a Tuesday night, by the way. So that's at Westpac so far, plus an, a win and a draw in New Zealand away from Wellington. So there is that, I suppose. It's actually scary that you now that the. Um the next form is actually better away from uh, from Wellington than it is in Wellington. So I think we give ourselves half a chance at least. All right, so let's look at this from a raw perspective. How do we expect them to turn the turn around their recent run of poor form? As we said, three losses in a row, five, five games without a win now. Adam? I think just something different. Offer, yeah. offer something different. You know, I, think, I think also as well the... What will be a big factor as well? The fact is that the um, that Wellington will be coming off a five ga- five day turnaround, so that did, that hasn't worked for the Raw the last yeah, two times. I, I think, but I think it's also equalised by the fact that you know the, the Raw sort of having to travel. And I think they're actually headed over there. I I believe so. Are or, they or it might be it might be first thing tomorrow morning, but they, they are going over there fairly early. So it's it's interesting. But I think just from a per- personal point, I think it's a. I think they need to do something different to what they're happy because I think they've been pretty much outscouted. That might be a good idea because I was listening to something Rado Vidicic said a few years ago. He was saying that's the one place in the A-League you can't prepare for because there's a complete difference. It's that the grass is different, the climate's different, the whole thing. So that might be a good idea to get over there. To your point, though, last week I said they should bring in two young players. I'd, they had to change it up. That's... That would be my idea of how you can change the team. If you, change fortunes, change the team up. If we find out the young guys are on the plane over, you're going to be unbearable this week, aren't you, in the build-up to the game? I'll be fine. I'll be are you fine. sure? Yeah. We'll see. Well, so, I have no game this weekend, so they But anyway, yep. Well, well that actually could, could be worth yeah. noting then. I feel like Jamie McLaren's going to wind up coming back into the starting lineup. Yeah. Maybe just... That, that, that time on the bench is going to serve as a little bit of a reminder that, hey, you're not quite the Premier League leading scorer And Wellington's defence isn't the greatest in the world either, so I do think there's opportunities here for him in this game. If he does start, there should be ample chance for him to score some goals, which would boost his confidence massively. 
And I suppose we do always have to be a little bit concerned about Roy Krishna and Rolly Bonavarts here. So I think I think the whole the whole pack. I think Michael McGlinchey might be the, the sort of the eighth in the pack for the Knicks. Like he, he he's back two two wins in a row since his return. So Barbarusis as well. Yeah, Barbarusis got on the score sheet uh, late tonight as well. So well, there you go. All right, so we're going to move on now. We're going to go around the A League. Uh, other games: Melbourne City against Central Coast Mariners Thursday night. Sydney FC versus Adelaide Friday. After the Raw, it's Perth versus Melbourne City. Melbourne victory. Yep. And then finally on Sunday, Western Sydney Wanderers against Newcastle. So we're going to go into our prediction segment right now. We were all... Oh, no, you two got the right result last week, but not the correct score. <laughs> yeah. I Is that pick... a half point or... You get one point yeah, and then it's three yeah. for the thing. We'll, do... we'll have a proper score update when we've got a bit more time next okay. week. So predictions from around the A-League. Who wants to lead off? I'll go. I'll say Welling... Western Sydney and Newcastle. To me, that's a... We've seen plenty of finals showdowns in recent weeks. One last week, Newcastle and Perth. To me, this is another one. West Sydney and Newcastle are challenging for that fifth, sixth spot. To me, that's the game to watch. Just a reminder, that game's actually in Campbelltown as well, not at uh, the Cabinet Spotless. I'm so glad you did your research because I would have assumed it was at Spotless. <laughs> but instead, so, the so they it's might, not a they might stadium either, the big ANZ one. They, so. so they might actually get a decent crowd. Yeah. All right. And um, for, for mine, I actually am looking at Friday night, Sydney FC Adelaide. I am be very, very interested whether Sydney FC are going to, you know, basically put Adelaide out for the count, you know, after they got their second win, or is it a resurgence for Adelaide? I think that that is, and also as well, I reckon Sydney FC may have one eye on Australia Day as well. So it might be, you know, that, that's, that streak may be in danger. Well, if they do have one eye on Australia Day, they could be in trouble because every time teams do that, they invariably get bitten. So. Yep. I'm going to say uh, Central Coast and Melbourne City is going to turn out to be a draw just because I think Melbourne City are in a little bit of a form slump at the moment. Yeah. All right. So, so did you want a prediction from these games, did you? No, that was just my sort oh, okay. of general around the A-League prediction. All right. All right. So we're going to go on to our Raw-specific things. Adam, before we came in, you were actually talking about how this is essentially a six-pointer. I think it is. Um, Raw, if Raw can manage to end the streak and win... And other results as well, expecting that maybe victory might beat uh, Perth on Saturday night. They will open up six points, um, a six-point gap to fifth. So, but a loss also, and Raw could be as low as six by the end of the weekend. So this is, you know, it is actually a fairly you know, important game as far as going forward, you know, to, towards the finals. Scott, what are you expecting out of this game? Uh, so last time the Raw went there, it was a nil-all draw. I reckon at this time last year as well. That was a game when the Raw had a penalty awarded that was then overturned. Oh, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, that was frustrating. Yeah. So that was a nil-all draw. I'm going to be slightly more optimistic. I'm going to say one-all. One-all? And Adam? I think we'll score, but I think they're in good form at home and these two sides will cancel each other out. Adam, did you give a pick? I might, might not have been paying total attention uh, No, no, I haven't yet. <laughs> I was still thinking, but I think it might be a one-all draw. All right, I'm going to say... I'm actually really struggling with this right now. I want to be optimistic, so I'm going to say a one-all draw. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Scott, Adam, thanks for your time tonight, guys. Thanks, James. James, Adam. And uh, all our listeners. We will be back on our regular Wednesday time slot next week unless another family issue comes up. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, yeah. (laughs) Thought you were raising a different finger there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks everyone for joining us and enjoy the football this weekend. We'll see you next Wednesday. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com.
Any car brave enough to withstand a decade's worth of multi-state family voyages is worth treating to some quality parts and Napa know-how. Coolant for the Death Valley trip, wiper blades for the Pacific Northwest, air fresheners for the Southwest Chili Cook-Off. Yeah, with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your road warrior running longer, stronger, for many more vacations to come. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.